This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I want to kick off the program here this morning, though, with a conversation that's happening around artificial intelligence, specifically a lot of conversation around chat GPT. Uh, today's story from Reuters, EU industry chief uh, Thierry Breton has said that new proposed AI rules will aim to tackle concerns about the risks around the new chat GPT chatbot and other similar AI technology. So the EU looking at trying to better regulate this and a lot of conversations happening around whether this is good or bad, whether we do need rules or regulations around all of this. So what is this technology? Well, joining us uh, to talk more about it is uh, someone who uh, works uh, in this field. Very pleased to uh, welcome to the program to tap into the expertise of our guest here this morning, Alana Fish, who's uh, Alberta Machine Intelligence Institute Fellow, a Canadian CIFAR AI Chair and Assistant Professor at the University of Alberta. Professor Fish, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so first of all, let's start with the question of what this chat GPT is and why it's, it's getting so much attention in your view. Yeah, ChatGPT is a large language model. Uh, it's trained with neural networks under the hood, and it's trained on uh, large amounts of text data. And it is one of the most convincing chat agents we've ever seen. And that's part of why people are so excited about it. Yes, excited and, and concerned. And I suppose like with any technology, uh, you know, it understandably comes with a little bit of both sides of that. But, I mean, are you more of a, a glass half full perspective or should we be looking at the potential of this technology? What do you make of the, uh, the hand wringing, I guess we could call it? I mean, I completely understand why people would be concerned. It's, um, it's alarming to see a computer behaves so human-like. I mean, I completely understand that, but I am a, a pretty glass-half-full person, mm -hmm. and I see that, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for creativity around the use of this uh, system and how we can integrate it into our jobs and our lives. Uh, and I think it's a net positive, but I, I do understand that people, um, it, it's, it feels threatening to see such a, such a useful AI. Right, and, and because it can be used for a lot of different things. I mean, there's the concern, universities, even high schools, mm -hmm. I would imagine, uh, that students can use this technology to generate essays and assignments. There's the concern that, you know, because it's, it's so convincing and how it's able to write and craft and lay out an argument, that could take away jobs. Uh, BuzzFeed, the popular websites, you know, said that they're going to start using this technology to generate content. So there's, there's the threat to jobs, those kinds of concerns. Do you, do you think those can be addressed? Yeah, so you've named a lot of concerns there, and maybe I'll, I'll talk about them one by one. So I think the first concern is that students will cheat. Um, I definitely think that's something that will happen, but of, of course students have been um, having other people do their homework for uh, decades, <laughs> eons, right? Um, and so it's a little bit easier now, but I think the, that most students uh, understand that the reason to do schoolwork is not to get marks, but rather to get an education, and using ChatGPT will uh, sort of bypass the thing you actually want. Um, but we do need to be aware of, you know, how we can handle it in schools, and we'll have to have ways to detect it. And there's been a few examples of, of ways that we can detect it that we'll, we'll have to figure out how to integrate that into our marking scheme. Mm -hmm. uh, your second question was about um, jobs. Right. Uh, I think it's um, obvious that uh, it, it's going to change the employment landscape. 
Um, I think in the short term, short to medium term, what I hope is that uh, ChatGPT will be taking away some of the more repetitive and boring jobs that we um, might not find as fulfilling as others, and, and it will help um, change those jobs into something that uh, can be a little bit more creative, a little bit more complex. So instead of you know plodding along and writing the same thing every day, instead maybe you can use ChatGPT to write that, and then it frees you up to think more creatively and, and maybe do something a little different with, with yeah. your time. Well, and that's another area where I mean, technology, you know, for, for going back a long ways, technology has been disruptive, and and it's meant mm-hmm. that that certain jobs are, are you know, obsolete, but at the same time you know, creates jobs. There's a lot of people doing jobs today that didn't exist uh, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years ago, and, and a lot of jobs that existed then don't exist now. Mm-hmm, exactly. One of the things I was thinking about is email, how disruptive email was, and people thought email would, you know, do away with the written letter, and, and truthfully, it, it mostly has, right? Except for at Christmas time, you probably don't get much handwritten mail. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, um, you know, it, it, re- it led to a different kind of technology revolution, and you probably get more mail now than you ever did, right, because of all of the packages you get and online shopping. So just, you know, noticing that, yes, some things change, but then other things sort of come into play. And, you know, I mean, I think humans are really adaptable. We've lived in, you know, in these changing times, things move quickly, and we've been adapting quickly for quite a while. I feel like we'll continue to do that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see that OpenAI, the parent company for ChatGPT, they released... What's meant to be, they're calling it a classifier. This is meant to, I guess, help us detect whether something's been generated by this program or, or by, by AI. You sort of enter it into to the box, you submit it, and then you'll get kind of a range of classifications that this is unlikely, this is possibly, this is likely AI generated. How effective is, is that approach likely to be in your view? Yeah, so they've re- uh, they released some numbers about how effective it is, and it's reasonably effective. But I think, like with all things, you need when you use a tool like that, you need to understand the sort of pros and cons. You know, it, it can be thought of as like a screening tool, so we can screen something and say, you know, oh, this is probably not uh, written by AI, or if it is, then we should look more closely. But we shouldn't just assume that if you know the thing comes back and says it's written by AI, that one hundred percent sure we are sure it's written by AI. Rather, it's more like a screening, like we should look more in detail at this particular piece of writing. Yeah. I mean, is this technology then constantly learning? Is I don't know if that's the, the right word to yeah. use, but yeah. it, it is evolving constantly, right? So where we're at now is seems remarkable, but where are we going to be in, in five or ten years here? I mean, as somebody who's worked with these models for a couple of decades now, the the change in the last five, even two years has been remarkable. So I think it's it's a little hard to tell where we'll be in five years from now. Um, I think we're going to see more and more disruption and more and more examples of places where ChatGPT can can help with writing. Um, and I, but I think it's also going to it's going to mean that we have to change how we think about writing. I actually think it's kind of a neat um, change, right? Like, so if you want to to teach students how to write essays, can you teach them how to write essays with ChatGPT? Yeah. Right. Like, we wouldn't even blink an eye now about a student using spell check or grammar check in Microsoft Word, right? Like, of course you would do that. And so, you know, similarly, if there's chat GPT inside of Microsoft Word and it helps you to write your essay, but you're still the one driving the ideas, you're still the one sort of crafting the argument, like maybe that's what we wanted to test in the first place. You mentioned at the outset, you know, the EU is looking at crafting rules and, and maybe other jurisdictions will as well. And as is often the case, these conversations really lag behind the technology. It's a combination of you know, that, that fear, concern, but also just you know, that, that it's so unfamiliar, right? So 
the, the challenge then for policymakers to understand this, to really understand what it is we're trying to guard against and to come up with something that, that would be meaningful or effective, is, is there some room for additional policy or regulation here? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the things that EI, uh, sorry, the EU has sort of led the the world on is thinking about people's right to have their data included in models. Um, I think that's really interesting, especially with the the models you may have seen that generate pictures. Right. There's a lot of evidence that they're generating pictures based on copyrighted material. Of course, it's the same is true probably for ChatGPT. And what is what are the rights around that? I think there's lots of interesting questions, and people should, you know, some have said had had the right to have their data removed from such a model. It's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds and, of course, the yeah. debate uh, that will go along with it. Professor Fish, appreciate your insight on all of this. Thank you so much for making some time for us here this morning. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.